0: Well, please join me in standing for the reading of the word. We're going to be in John 4, 27, 42. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, rabbi, eat something. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his many, because of his words, many more became believers." They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. Hey, all right. Well, we are now weeks into our series exploring the values of our church salt and light. We dove into our purpose, being God's salt and light in the world, and then now we're in our values, and then pretty soon we'll be in our practices. Let's go to the next slide. And so we've been exploring our values, the triangle one, you know, do you see that one up there? Uh, We've been exploring our values in regard to our relationship with God, our relationship to each other in community, and then lastly, our relationship to the world, meaning those people who don't yet know Jesus, who are not a part of the church, and we are going back to the scriptures to see where these values that we live by as a community come from the word of God. And today, we are looking specifically at friendship outreach, the way that God reaches us through relationships. Now, how many people here had a friend, a family member, somebody they knew, uh, reach out to them in some way and make a contribution to their journey of faith? Raise your hand if you had somebody. Come on, look around. Keep your hands up for a minute. Keep your hands up. Everyone just kind of look around. Look at how many people there are. Well, there's a reason why this is a core value, not just because it works, but because we see it in the passage. We see this is God's heart. And the way we reach out to people in the world is in a way that reflects the very character in the heart of God. Now, before I was ready to surrender my life to Jesus, God put a friend in my life. And that's how it starts. He would live out his faith openly he would spark spiritual conversations with me, and he would share his Jesus story with me. Those three things. He would live out his faith. He, w- he didn't hide it. You know, he wasn't like trying to make sure it was hidden. Hey, what did you do this weekend? He would just openly go, oh, I was at church, and oh, our pastor was... And, he, and I was like, whoa, "Whoa, weird. And then he would just spark up spiritual conversation with me, and, and at different, in different ways, he would share about how Jesus was at work in his life. Now, at first... I was surprised and I was shocked. Then it went from surprise that my friend is a Jesus follower to like discomfort. Let's be honest, it was uncomfortable. Have you ever been uncomfortable with someone trying to witness to you? Or just knowing that someone was a believer before you were? I was, I was like, oh no, my friend's a good Jesus guy. Oh my gosh, is this guy gonna try to convert me or something? And I literally thought all that stuff. But listen, it, it, it didn't stay there because as he just continued being my friend, playing Blades of Steel on the Nintendo with me and, and just being a buddy, pretty soon that discomfort changed and it turned to curiosity. And that curiosity grew. It grew into a full-on spiritual search in my life. That's what happens Right in now, in this passage between Jesus and this woman. Now, we're not going to go back and study verses 1 to 26. I encourage you to read it. If you go read the first part of chapter 4, it records what it looks like when God shows up to have a conversation with you about spiritual things. And he starts by talking about water. Next thing you know, they're talking about living water. Then they're talking about God and worship. And next thing you know, well, we, we see the scene that we just looked at. Now, here's the point. Jesus sparks a conversation about something sort of just simple, water. Hey, can you give me some water? But then it moves into a deeper conversation about God and about eternal life. And the the lesson is that through a simple relationship with this woman, Jesus awakens her soul and he ignites her faith. And we see what happens for her entire community right? Because then through her network of relationships, right, her friends, her family, her neighbors, you know, her, I don't know, her running group, her cycling group, whatever, um, her entire village comes to know Jesus and comes into eternal life. And that's what we're going to look at, like why God does it this way, how he does it this way. So I want to ask you this, what does this passage teach us about Jesus's model of outreach? All right, what does this passage teach us about Jesus's model? If God wants to come into someone's life and he wants to reach them, how does he do it? You know, does he, what does he do? Does he he show up on their doorstep and try to give them this sales pitch? What does he do? That's what we're gonna look at. And we're gonna, the focus of the message is the way that Jesus reaches our world is always both relational and it's purposeful. And these two things are not mutually exclusive relationship with purpose are not exclusive. They are mutually inclusive like peanut butter and chocolate. Come on now. Like for the old school, like Laverne and Shirley. That's old school. Come on. They go together and we're going to find out just how. So let's start with the relational aspect of the way that God reaches us. And to do that, I want to show you a scripture. Uh, First John chapter four. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for putting that up there. That's a great one. Okay, we'll come back to that. Save that for later, though. We will use that, but I like that you put that there. 1 John 4, 9. Check this out. It says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Here's my question for you. What or how does God show his love? Look at this passage. When God wants to show somebody his love to them, What does he do? I remember what I did. On Valentine's, many years ago, I showed up at my not-yet-wife's front door, and despite her telling me, you better not come to my apartment on Valentine's, I was there at the front door ringing the doorbell with a box of chocolates and a card that I made for her. That's how I showed, I was, hey, I'm kind of into you. Want to go out? Want to be more than just friends? How does God show his love to us when he wants you to know that he's coming after you? What does this verse say? Take a look at it, turn to a neighbor, and just share one thing. What does this verse say? Real quick, real quick. Go ahead and share. One thing. How does God show his love? I bet you got a handful of things, but let's pick one simple thing. He shows his love first according to this passage by sending his son get this he didn't send a holy book he didn't send an angel he didn't send a letter or a note he, we do have the bible but that is this is not the pinnacle of god's revelation of his love for you that would be islam in islam their Quran, their holy book, is the zenith, the pinnacle of God's self-revelation to the world. A book. But that's not what we believe. We believe that when God wants to reveal his love to somebody, he sends a person. Listen to this. He sent his son who came as a human being. Now, Jesus came, not you know, descending from the sky, glowing, I am Jesus and you will worship me, you know, and do some epic tricks. Like, imagine how cool that would be. Come down, do some magic tricks, blow everyone's minds away, and be like, okay, yes, I will believe in you. Wouldn't that be convincing? But that's not what he does. He comes living with us. He comes laughing, eating, talking, building relationship with us. In a way, God reveals himself in a way that you could almost miss. Think about this. When God wants to show that he is pursuing you, he does it in a way that is so not demonstrative, it's in a way that you could almost not recognize. Now that might seem because God's powerless, it's not, it's because God is gracious and he doesn't want to overwhelm you because his glory would literally melt your eyes out of their sockets. So God doesn't want to melt your eyes out of your sockets and so he comes in a way that it's like approachable. We're talking about being approachable. Through simple relationship with Jesus, this woman encounters God's love for her. Now here's the point, check this out, this is so cool. God's saving power flows through human relationship. Much like the discovery of electricity and the use of metals to conduit that energy. God's power to save people channels and flows through human relationship like electricity flows through copper and even through gold. You are the gold. This is the way that God moves. And this is so important because it says something about God's very character. God reaches us through human relationship. Why? Because he is fundamentally relational. And if he wants to bring you into a relationship, he's going to do it in a what? Relational way. He's going to do it in a way that you can accept, in a way that doesn't melt your eyes out of their sockets. Look at this. Verse 28, it says this. Then, let's go back to the passage and rewind to this moment right here, to the very beginning. This woman's showing up. She's traveled a bit of a distance to get her water. And uh, look at right here verse 28 then leaving her water jar she's so overcome by what happens in this moment she just ditches the water jar and the woman went back to the town and said to the people come see a man who told me everything i ever did could this be the messiah not rocket science doesn't need a seminary degree just one line bam Come meet a guy who told me everything about my life. They came out of the town and made their way to Jesus. All right. So, how does God, who sent His Son into the world that we might have eternal life, how does God send His Son into this town? How would you answer that question? Anyone want to take a stab? Raise a hand. Come on, anybody? All right. Turn and share. Go on, share. Go on, talk. Talk. How does God send His Son? What does it look like when He sends His Son into the village? What do you see? Mm. In the back, I saw your arm, bro. Are you stretching? <laughs> I'm just joking, man. I saw you. He's oh, just joking. Anybody? Okay, look. He, we. I think you know, but through the woman's relational network. Do you see that? God is sending his son to that village, and the way that he does it, again, Jesus doesn't come levitating out of the sky into the village. He is sent into that village through this woman's relational network. I want you to pay attention to the structure of the passage. I spent a lot of time just digging into this thing to look at the way it's organized. i love to print it out, and then I just kind of like highlight and underline all the words and just kind of really study it. But what you'll notice is is that first the woman goes back to the village and she gets, so let's go to that image now, that, that with the woman and the groups of people. Yeah, first what the woman does, yeah, well, okay, this is my drawing, but this is better. Yeah, that that was, wasn't supposed to go up there. Okay, here's a woman, and she's talking to Jesus. And then what she does is she goes and she gets this initial group of people that come out to Jesus they, they literally come out of their village to meet Jesus with her. It doesn't say this, but my guess is it was probably like her family, her friends, her neighbors, people she knew, because um, why else would they trust her and go out with her? Then when they go out to meet Jesus, they come to faith, and then what do they do? Do they like hang out with Jesus and hoist one of their shoulders and march off into the sunset? They do not. Do they huddle up and start their own little cult group and just huddle up together? No, they don't do that either. What they do is they grab Jesus and they go, you've got to come back. And what? You've got to come back and you've got to meet our village. And they then introduce Jesus to all the people in their relational network. God's saving power flows through human relationships. And you can see the way that Jesus in verse 39 brings this initial group to faith. And in verse 41, it says that many more became believers, almost the entire village. So here's my question. When you look at this passage, what are the relational elements in this passage? What are the relational elements? If you were to break it down, what's relational about what we just saw? Okay? Can you give me like, come up with like one, Just turn into oh, you want to, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, that's really good. Excitement. She's excited. And what do you do when you're excited about a meme or you're excited about a new movie or about a new restaurant? What do you do? I know, I know, I got teenagers. I got teenagers, forgive me. But what do you do? You share. It's natural. So thank you. Watch. Two things that she does. It is so simple. It's so simple that it's subversive. Sometimes the most subversive things are the things that are the most simple and commonplace. And this is how God reaches out to us. Number one, she invites them to meet Jesus themselves. Come and see a man. Can we put up that verse? Come and see a man. I think, uh, well, maybe you won't. Yeah, there it is. Who told me everything I ever did. What does that represent? It represents her testimony, her story. She shares her story, and she invites people to come and meet Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. Now watch. Her Jesus story sparks curiosity. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. Now let that settle on you for a minute. Is there someone in your life, do you know anybody who you would just be blown away to see come to faith? Like to see them come to know Jesus, to see them filled with God's love, to have his peace and his grace in their life, to have his wisdom guiding their decisions and their choices, to have his purpose energizing them and directing them. Can you think of someone like that? People come to faith by God's design because we share our stories with them. Your relationship with them is the conduit for God's saving power to their life. It's that simple. What's so cool is I remember when I was a freshman at UCSD, and, you know, it's a big bio school, big science school. I remember one time trying to talk to my professor about evolution and creation and just asking questions, and he just thought I was a complete fool. And I was like, whoa, be careful here. I just wanted to have conversation, but I was having conversation with my roommate. And we would have these deep conversations that were more apologetics-based, finding out questions like, things that made it hard for people to believe in God, like how could there be a loving God if there's evil in the world? How can you believe in God and science at the same time? How do you know the Bible is real and reliable? Stuff like this. And I thought if I just argue with him and convince him, and so he would ask me these questions, I would disappear, go find the answer, call my friends, come back, and I would win these arguments. I would pin him to the wall. He would have no rebuttal, and I'd be like, now are you ready? to accept Jesus, and he would just be like, yeah, but, and he would have another point to make, and then it went on and on and on and on and on. I didn't understand that it's really much more simple. It's not about debating people. It's about befriending, loving, and sharing our story, and believing that through that, God is going to do something in their life that you could never do on your own sharing our excitement and inviting friends into something we love is natural. It's what we do, right? Like sharing our excitement about a restaurant, it's natural. Corner Pizza in Lucadia, been there? My gosh, you people, you got to go. Woo-hoo-hoo! I'm telling you, I'm a pizza fanatic. I love this pizza. It's kind of thin, but the crust has got a slight crunch to it. It's not tough. It's not like you have to tear into it, but it doesn't get squishy. And when you bite, there's a slight crunch. Then, boom, you've got that whole piece. And they have this one piece, this style of pizza, that has a bit of a honey chili drizzle on it. Oh, come on, right? It's got this... It's got this spicy and this sweet combo. It'll just knock your socks off. Come on, let's go to Corner Pizza. And so we took my cousin there. We've been taking people there because why? It's what we do. It's what we do. You guys, sharing and inviting is relational. It's actually unrelational when you hold back your excitement about Jesus in your life. You are not being true to yourself and to the friendship. You're not honoring the friendship. You're treating them like they can't handle it. You're treating them like a child. You know that? Do you ever think about that? You're treating your friend like a child. You're patronizing them. Oh, if I talk about Jesus, it might hurt your feelings. You're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You're assuming they're so fragile. You just mentioned, oh my gosh, I was at church this weekend. Oh my gosh, I was praying. Oh my gosh, I was reading this verse from the Bible. And they're going to go, oh my God. And they're just going to like, I don't know, shatter into pieces or something. Yes, I was uncomfortable. But because my friend kept in there and loving me, it warmed my heart. One sign. Now listen, this is for those of you who are here who are not believers. Listen to this. One sign that God is pursuing you is that God has put somebody in your life to share and invite you to know Jesus. Listen to me right now. If you have someone in your life who has been sharing Jesus with you, who's been inviting you, I want to encourage you, don't just see it on a superficial material level. What the Bible is inviting you right now is to see God himself is reaching out to you. When I left that note with this beautiful Stacy, that note represented my feelings towards her. It was not me, but it represented me. When that person is inviting you, God himself is pursuing you. Before I became a Christian, I had my friend Kevin Otsuji on my soccer team, Nancy Lee in my history class, and Payson LaMillier in my geometry class, and one of my closest friends. And Joy DeGuzman. I had four friends, like a box that had me trapped. (laughs) Just inviting me, sharing with me, talking to me. Let me ask you a question. Can you see any sign right now that God is pursuing you with his love? Is there someone in your life who has been sharing Jesus with you? What if God wants you to shift your perspective this morning and go, oh my gosh, God doesn't want to melt my eyes out of their sockets. He has put someone in my life because he's pursuing me. Now... Um, Uh, Let's skip the quote. We don't have time for that. But let's go to the the next point purposeful, verse 27. Relational and purposeful. Verse 27 just then, his disciples come back. You got to love this, guys. This is so funny. And it says, They were what? Don't you love the disciples? This is how you know this is like, this is not propaganda material, you know, because the adherents themselves look absolutely foolish. Uh, They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? I love that they're shocked, because they can't imagine that God is at work in a Samaritan woman's life. Do you see that? They can't believe it. Now, Are there people in your life that you might be shocked to find out that God is at work in? Is it possible that there are people in your life that you haven't even considered that God is at work in and you've written them off like these disciples with this woman? You've decided already there's no way God could be working in their life. Like, for example, when my dad told me, when I said, sorry, he goes, hey, son, how was your fall semester at UCSD? I told him, oh my gosh, I've been doing this Bible study with my friends, and he stops me mid-sentence, and he goes, I don't want to hear about your God stuff, and don't ever try to convert me. Now, doesn't that sound like God's not working in his life? <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's like big neon sign, no way, never, no how. But if you've been going to our church, you know that it was only a few years later that my dad did receive Christ. Come on. It looked on the surface like, nope, doors are closed. I didn't keep trying to sell him anything. I wasn't kind like, well, dad, I'm going to, I didn't argue with him. I just started praying for him. I respected him as a person. I stopped trying to share stuff. I prayed for him. And when the moment was right, he came to me. Come on now, watch out. God is at work in your family, among your roommates, your teammates, your lacrosse, your water polo, your field hockey team. He is at work among your friends, your neighbors, but maybe you're struggling to see where he's at work. Maybe you're just having a hard time seeing it. Look, Jesus befriends this woman because he loves her, but listen, but also because he wants to lead her into eternal life and he wants to reach her village. Do you see in this passage his purpose to save her and her village contradicting her experience of his love for her? No. If anything in this passage, what you're going to see is rather than her feeling objectified, like she has in the past with other men, the five relationships that she had that left her hanging dry, this relationship with this person doesn't objectify her. It honors her, dignifies her, and elevates her, and she becomes an ambassador to her entire village that transforms that community forever. He chooses her to be his messenger, and she changes people's lives. Now, I'm going to ask you, does that diminish the relationship, or did that honor and exalt her in the relationship. And what does that say about your relationships with people that God has put in your life? They are not mutually exclusive. God has a purpose for our relationships, and he's calling us to open our eyes to his purposes in our relationships. So this is the uncomfortable part. Now, believers, you've been watching non-believers, you know, in the last few weeks, make courageous steps to accept Jesus. Hasn't it been awesome? Come on. We've been watching people just standing up, raising their hands, you know, uh, screenshotting the, uh, the QR code. People have been opening their heart to Jesus. And I can see some of them in the room this morning. They're here. They're growing. Listen, this is not just something that as non-believers do. It's something that we all do together. We are all on a journey taking steps of faith. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to do what we've been asking them to do. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. I'm going to ask you to allow God to renew his purposes in your relationships. I'm going to ask you to open your heart to the relationships that God wants to work in, in your life. And they may be ones that make you a little uncomfortable. And I am not saying, oh, now I need to get the Bible, and when I see them, I need to throw it at them and run. I'm hoping you won't do that. I did do that for a Valentine one time. Now I won't go into that story, but... <laughs> But I am asking you to begin opening your heart to the relationships in your life with God's purpose. But before we get there, look at verse 35. Verse 35 says this. This is Jesus talking to you. So I'm going to read this twice. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to read it to you. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Let's read it again. This time I want you to read with me. You ready? Let's start. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Not just close your eyes. People in the tent, in the chapel, online, everyone, just close your eyes just for a moment. Just close your eyes. And I want you just to hear this from Jesus to you right now. I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Amen. Listen, God is at work all around us in ways that we're afraid to imagine. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of turning people into projects. Anybody here ever feel that way? Come on. Come on. I'm every, I I do. Ever get afraid that it means I have to turn my friend into a project? Oh, you're my little man. No. Okay, good. that's done. That's behind us. Number two, maybe you're afraid that you'll offend them. Does that get you? Yeah? Mm. Man, most, it's fearless. Come on now. I want to know. Put your hands up. Okay, you're afraid. How many are afraid I will get rejected? You'll just look stupid and rejected. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see you guys in the back too. I see you all the way in the back with the hat. I'm, I'm watching. All right, listen. I want to share a story with you. There's a good friend of mine, and she writes this. We moved into a new neighborhood. And having prayed and shared Jesus with my old neighbors, none of them came to faith. I love this because she didn't give up. But we started praying for our new neighbors. I prayed for one person to receive Christ. One, just one, one person. Tina and I became friends right away, and I began sharing the gospel and praying, and she seemed open. But there came a point where she feared that to receive Christ would alienate her from her group of neighborhood friends. She told me straight that she was choosing her friends. Well, that's what we expect, right? Well, that's, of course, that's where that went. I saw that coming, but uh, wait. I was crushed, in, and in prayer I told the Lord I loved Tina and wanted to see her saved. Now watch what's about to happen. God is about to talk to her, and guess what he says? the Holy Spirit told me I needed to really love Tina like Jesus loves her. He told me to love Tina for Tina, even if she never comes to Christ. Hmm. I took that challenge, and a year later, Tina was baptized. (laughs) (laughs) By the time, that's a year. That is 365 days of, nope. Nope, every day, nope, nope. I mean, think about it, that's a long time. Nope, what's God doing to you? Nothing. Oh, whatever happened, nothing. We're just, it's over, it's gone. It's a year later. It's like done and not done. And by the time, get this, we both moved. Most of our neighbor friends and a few of their teenagers had come to Christ. And they are friends to this day. Come on. I know. You know, I'm just reading one example of many, guys. Um, I want to invite the band to come out. As the band comes out, listen. God's purpose in your relationships is not going to make you a worse friend. It's going to make you a better friend. You're going to actually become a better friend because no one could love your friend more than God. And if you are not allowing God to assign his purpose to your relationships, and his purpose is that they know him through his son Jesus and enter into eternal life. And if that purpose is not at the center of your relationships, then some other purpose is, and it's not from God. Think about this very carefully. If you are not allowing God's purpose to guide your relationships, then some other purpose is guiding your relationships, and it's not from God. It's probably so that you don't feel alone It's probably so that you get somewhere in your career. It might be so that you feel like you're a good person or the other person feels like they're loved. And that's nice, but there is no greater purpose in any relationship than that someone might know God's love for them. And it doesn't mean being pushy or rude or weird, but it does maybe mean allowing the relationship to have decision moments where they feel a little uncomfortable because they get to know, whoa, you love Jesus. You're serious about this. Whoa, they're inviting me now and they're giving me a chance. And maybe they're not comfortable with that. That doesn't mean you got to force it, but you've got to give them an opportunity because your relationship with them is God's conduit for his saving purpose. In fact, your friendship with them is the evidence that God is pursuing them. If you have a friend with a non-believer, a coworker, a neighbor, it is a sign that God is chasing that person. The question is, are you going to open that relationship to His purpose? Are you going to allow him to renew his purpose in that relationship? I want to give you a chance with this song to allow God to search your heart. To search your heart, to say, to, to know if he is asking you this morning to renew his purposes in some relationship in your life that maybe you just kind of gave up on, stopped believing in, because you know what? You wrote them off like the Samaritan woman. Ah, God could never do anything in their life. God could never use me. John 13:20 says this. For sure I tell you, he who receives the one that I send out, receives me. And he who receives me, receives the one who sent me. Jesus is talking about you. When someone receives you, they are receiving God. When someone, when God puts you in someone's life, he is putting himself in their life. I don't know about you, but that is like an amazing thing that you are the extension of Jesus to that person's life because he loves them. And so what does he do? He puts someone that cares about them as well to express his care for them. Like you're like a living parable. And the way that you love him is meant to make tangible and human and concrete, the supernatural qualities of his love for them. That is the way God has done it for 2,000 years. And that is the way he's doing it right now today. And my invitation to you is, will you allow God to renew his purposes in your relationships? And if that's you, and you are saying, yes, Lord, I want to acknowledge that your way is better, your, your purposes are better than my purposes, so Lord, I want to realign my relationships. I don't know how, maybe you don't have to know what that means, you don't know what your next step is. I'm not asking that. I'm just asking that you maybe are willing to say, I'm, I wanna do that. But if that's you, then I wanna just invite you to stand. And as you stand, um, it's a way of just declaring publicly that you need God's help. You're saying, God, I need your help. You're saying, God, I need your help today to restore and renew your purposes, to my relationship ah, with that neighbor, or gosh, God, I have never opened my soccer team to you. I remember in college, this the goalie of the team said, I want God to use me for my team. Her boyfriend was also the goalie on his team. And I invited both of them. Will you let God use you? The boyfriend said, no. Jamie Lautenschlager said, yes. Two years later, She had multiple friends who had come to Christ. And her boyfriend sat and and looked at me and he said, I wish I could go back in time. And I wish I had said yes to that moment and that opportunity. Now listen, if you're standing, this is between you and God, not between me and you, not between you and anybody else, between you and God, and you're just saying, God, I want you to use me. I want you to pray a simple prayer, and I'm gonna give you a simple next step that you can try. Number one, let's just open our hearts and just pray. Lord Jesus, repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I open my relationships to your purposes. Your purposes are more loving, they are more generous, they are more sacrificial, they are more joyful, they are more exciting, and they are more purposeful, I know that's redundant, than anything I could come up with. (laughs) Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see the ripe harvest. Okay, listen. If you're ready to take a next step, I want to give you one right now. It's super easy. Can we go to that slide with Alpha? Look. The Alpha slide. we got Alpha coming up. Um, week after Easter. Yeah, yeah, right here. March 6 at 1045 in C105. If you are standing or maybe you're sitting, but you want to do this and you want to know how to take a next step, I know, I, it might be a lot of people. I don't care. I really don't, don't care. Let's do it. I want to challenge you. Will you go? Just go. Go to that room. Let's pack it in. And if it gets too big, we'll go somewhere else. We'll figure it out. But I want to encourage you, just go and we're going to help you. Number one, we're going to help you see the people that God's put in your life with spiritual eyes. Number two, we're going to help you connect with other people who are trying to do the same thing so you don't feel alone. Number three, we're going to explain to you what Alpha is. And the week after Easter, we're going to invite you to be open with those relationships that God's given to you to invite someone to Alpha. And the way that Alpha is a safe Place for conversation, for exploring who Jesus is, exploring questions of what is prayer, what is faith, is the Bible reliable? You don't have to do it alone. We could do it together in a way that's not scary, in a way that's not gonna you know push anything on anybody. But I guarantee you, if we just if the people, if you if we just do this, we're gonna see something radical. Listen, one woman Reached her entire village. I mean, look around. What would happen if this room said we're all we're gonna go for it? What could happen? I mean, what could happen? I don't know. I think something really exciting could happen. So if you don't know what to do, but you want to open your life to God's purposes, your relationships, to his purpose, go to this, go on our app, go on a website, just show up and let God just show you. And if you're still not ready, that's fine. Don't do it. Maybe next year. We'll do it again next year. But just be open to it. Just be open. All right, let me pray for you. Lord, I pray send us out with a fresh spring in our step. God, you are calling us into a huge purpose, a mighty epic adventure that has been spanning thousands of years in the entire world. And you have anointed us at this time in our life to step in and to do our small part in it. And I pray, give us the courage to step in. And God, if we are afraid or nervous or really uncomfortable, Then help us to find strength today in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. We have prayer team up here. We got Nate. We got Wendy. We got Stan. Come up, get prayer. We have an info table outside. All right, guys. Bless you.